I am uh, always thankful when Wednesday night rolls around that we can go into the Word of God. And I hope that you have your Bibles and are ready to do just that. And I hope that you're not just depending on the overhead screen. Amen. Bring your Bible. There's nothing as important in your life as the Word of God. And you need to believe that. And you need to trust that. And you need to depend upon that. Amen. Luke chapter 8. Turn your attention to the book of Luke, the 8th chapter. While you are turning, let me remind you of this coming weekend. Great weekend of services, Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And we're going to have a great time around the house of the Lord. And the reason I know that is because the Lord is going to be here. And when God shows up, good things always happen. Amen. Luke chapter 8. And I am going to begin reading in verse number 4 if I can. I guess I left my glasses in the office, and so i tell you what. Thank you, brother. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and look up on the wall and cheat tonight. I'm going to read my Bible. Amen. I still believe, I don't care what kind of technology you get, you still need to bring the book with you. Amen. And I'm not against technology, but I want to read it from the book. And the book says, Luke chapter 8, verse number 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. The fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside, everybody say those by the wayside. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. 
And that which fell among thorns was, were they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Verse number 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about why the devil comes. Amen. Why the devil comes. It is my privilege to uh, bring to you the Word of God every weekend and every Wednesday night that I uh, can. And it is never, I will tell you, it is never a, a chore, although it becomes a challenge at times to uh, continually find something fresh and to have something that will be relevant and current and will minister. But it is my privilege to bring the Word of God. And I, I can never stress to any of you how important the Word of God is. This is more than just a book. It's more than just history. It is more than just antiquity. It is the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. The Word of God. The thought of God. The desire of God. The plans of God. All of that is wrapped up in this book we call the Bible. And it should be and it ought to be the most important book in our life. But as sure as I stand before you tonight, I realize that there is nothing that the devil or your enemy would rather do than cause you right now to tune me out, play with your phone, fiddle with your budget, plan tomorrow's activities. There is nothing that the enemy of your soul and mine would desire more than right now, right now, to get you tuned out, to get you preoccupied, to get you distracted so that you do not hear what I have to say to you. If you were fighting an enemy and you wanted to destroy the work of your enemy, it would be wise for you to find the area that produces the most for that enemy and work on that area. Uh, one of the first things that uh, the American forces did when they invaded Iraq was begin to bombard 
the stronghold of Saddam Hussein because they knew if they could undermine his stronghold, if they could destroy that defense that he had, that it would demoralize the people. And, and so that was the focus of many of their attacks. It was to attack what produced the best results in that country of getting people to follow a certain ideology. And the devil is not omnipotent tonight. He is not omniscient, but he is smart. As a matter of fact, he's smarter than a lot of us. He's smarter than a lot of intelligent people that I know. In the parable of the sower, we are brought face to face with what I consider a life-changing truth. And that is that the seed that he refers to as being sown into different types of soil which represent different types of lives or individuals, that seed is the Word of God. And I mentioned to you before, just, I don't know, a few months ago, I preached about uh, along th this parable, and I talked to you about how that seed represented what God wants to do in our life. It represents the good that God wants to accomplish in our life, and all of the things that that word runs up against to frustrate the plan and the purpose of God in our life. And those things are represented by the various soils that the seed encounters. But this particular parable reveals to us a knowledge of the word of God that the devil has that many of us may not possess. It reveals to me a knowledge and an understanding of the devil about this word. And the Bible says that when the seed was sown, when it fell on the ground, the Bible said, then comes the devil. Immediately upon that seed falling to the ground and not being covered up and properly cared for, the enemy immediately moved in to try to steal and to take away that seed. Why did the devil come then? Why was he so focused on acting so quickly? Why was he so focused on doing it so soon that the scripture would say that when the seed was sown, then came the devil. Immediately upon that seed falling on the ground, the enemy began to move in to try to take that seed away. So what does the devil know that we better know? What does the devil know that we should know or we ought to know? The devil is not all-knowing. He is not omniscient. He is not like God. And I need to clarify that very quickly because I don't believe the devil can read your mind. He can't read my mind. He only reads my lips. 
He doesn't know what's going on in your head unless you speak it with your mouth. But he's smart. He'd been around long enough to learn the tricks of the trade. And so the devil knows something that you and I had better know. And what the devil knows, though he is not all-knowing, and he is not omnipresent, and he is not omniscient, he is smart enough to know what the Word of God can produce in a person's life and what it can result in. And so before that Word ever is able to take root, before it can ever find a lodging place, the enemy immediately begins to work to try to dislodge that Word from your heart. That's why at the beginning of a sermon, you're going to find the most distractions in a service. That's why when the preacher gets started preaching, there's going to be more things. You're going to have to go to the bathroom. Your kids are going to have to go to the bathroom. Somebody's going to do something in another part of the church, and you're going to become more focused on that than you are on the Word of God because the devil knows something that some of us are not smart enough to recognize and that is that if that Word ever gets in our heart, it's going to produce something that will neutralize and change and damn whatever he might be trying to do in our life. And so the devil comes. He comes quickly. He comes swiftly. And he comes soon because he knows if that word stays, it's going to produce something. If that word continues to lie, if you take that word and you cover it up with prayer and you cover it up with worship and you allow it to sink down in your life that something's going to come out of that that he has no remedy again. There's going to something come out of that that he doesn't have a cure for. There's going to be something come out of that word that he cannot defend and he cannot defense. And he acknowledges it. I... I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, but it never dawned on me the revelation that the devil has about the Word of God. Go back to verse number 12 and look with me again at what the Scripture said. It says, And they that went by the wayside, or those seed that fell by the wayside, are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and he takes away the Word out of of their hearts. Why? Why does the, does the enemy of your soul and mine act so quickly when the Word of God comes? Why does he move so swiftly to get our attention or get our focus somewhere else? Because he knows what the Word will do. He knows that it will produce faith in your life. And he knows that it will result in your salvation. And so he's going to do everything in his power to keep you distracted, to keep you focused on something else. As a matter of fact, the devil will even let you look at other parts of the book just as long as you don't listen to the part I'm talking about. I've seen people when the preacher reads his text, 
They get to thumb into the Bible and they couldn't tell you what he preached to save their life. If they were put on trial and their life depended on it, they couldn't tell you two words, he said, because they were too somewhere off in another part of the book not paying attention to what God was saying right now. And that's the reason that he comes. Because he doesn't want faith to be stirred in any of us tonight. He doesn't want us to be saved from anything that we're going through. And so he's going to work. He's going to do everything he can. The power of the word of God in your life is the most incredible force and source of help and strength that you can find on the face of the earth. Do you hear what I just said? It is the most incredible force and source of help and strength. And that's why the devil fights it at the first. That's why he comes at the first. That's why the devil works so hard to discredit the word of God to you and to me is because he is smart enough to know what that word produces. Folks, he was around when creation came. He was around evidently when God began to speak in the beginning and all of a sudden out of chaos and out of nothingness came a world of order and a world of dignity and a world of created things that are beyond our imagination. He saw what happens when that word goes forth. He saw what happens when that word is spoken. And immediately he realized, if I am going to frustrate God's work, I'm going to have to steal his word. You say, I don't believe that, Brother Hughes. Well, then go look at the first time you see him in the book. Genesis chapter 3. Of all the things he could have attacked, and of all the ways that he could have come at a woman to subvert her and to get her tripped up, What was the first thing he went for? He went for the word. Go read it. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 3. I believe it starts there. Verse number 3, somewhere. It says, and and the the, the serpent, verse number 1, actually is where it begins. He said the serpent was more... God, he, he, was, he was more deceitful, he was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field. And he said unto the woman, what did he say to her? He said unto her, yea, hath God said. The first thing that he started undermining in that woman's life was the word of God. Now, The first mistake that the woman made was she listened to him. She picked up on that call. Instead of letting the answering machine pick it up, she picked it up. I better calm down, shouldn't I, Brother Moore? Yeah. I'm not just picking on women. If it had been men, it would have been the same problem. The first way to stop what he's trying to do is don't don't answer the call. But the first thing he came against was the word of God in their life. And he did it in such a subtle way. He said, hath God not said. Now if he had come out just blurted out, God didn't mean that. Eve no doubt would have turned him off like some of you are trying to turn me off right now. He would have said, oh no, 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 get out of my life. 
But he didn't come that way. He came with a little bit of truth. And then he compounded it with a whole lot of error. Hath God not said? And from there began the unraveling process of Adam and Eve's life. He went after the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God creates faith and the Word of God saves us. That's why he fights the Word. That's why anything that can distract you from a service, it will begin to magnify itself when the preacher starts preaching. You know what's amazing to me? That we can sing a thousand songs and nobody wants to go out to the bathroom. But as sure as I take my text, there's a half a dozen kids and a half a dozen adults that start thinking about where they can go to the bathroom. Do you think that is just some odd coincidence? will scare all of you out of ever wanting to go to the bathroom. I'm not playing games with you folks tonight. You listen to me. Tell me, when do you come the most distracted? It's during the Word of God. Because the devil knows you can sing till your tongue falls out. And that song's not going to save you. You can shout until your legs fall off, and shouting's not going to save you. But he's smart enough to know that the word will. And so your bladder starts acting up. Your mind starts acting up. Your kids start acting up. Or your flesh starts acting up. I'm just bored. So he comes to steal the seed because he knows if that seed stays there, something's going to happen. It's going to start to germinate and faith is going to start to rise in somebody that's been discouraged or somebody that's been brokenhearted or somebody that's been frustrated or somebody that's been aggravated. He knows that somebody that's failed in their life this week, you failed this week, you went back and did something you said you wouldn't do. And he knows if that word ever gets down in your heart, something's going to spring to life and hope's going to come up out of that seed. And there's going to be a confidence rise up inside of you that said, hey, this is the place to get my heart right. This is the place to get my life fixed. This is the place to repent. This is the place to start over. This is the place to turn around. And so he comes at the first when the word first comes because he knows the word saves you it'll save you from sin it'll save you from misery it'll save you from brokenness it'll save you from heartbreak it'll save you from failure it'll save you from frustration it'll save you from depression it'll save you from discouragement it'll save you from defeat it'll save you from disaster it will save you from yourself and not only will it save you, but it will produce faith, confidence in God, an assurance that God is going to help me. 
that God has an answer for my life, that God has a direction. The devil doesn't want you to think or believe that life can be better or life could be improved or you can rise up. He doesn't want you to think that you can get better. He wants to keep you wrapped up in that world of misery that you're in right now because that world is where he lives. And that world is void of the Word. And so he works to steal. Because he knows if that Word stays, something's going to germinate. And it's going to produce a faith that says, you can't overcome. You're better than this. You are made for more than this. You are made to be more than just a habit hell person. Yes, you were made to rise up again. You were made to have victory in your life. And the devil is smart enough to know that where that comes from, that kind of faith comes from the Word of God. And so that's why he'll get you to read every magazine there is on the face of the earth, subscribe to every kind of Internet movie you can subscribe to as long as you stay out of the book because he knows what the Word produces. That's why he attacks it from the beginning. He knows that if it ever gets started, if it ever gets rooted, he can't stop the effects of it. He can't stop what that word will produce. If you don't believe me, look at what the scripture said. The scripture said, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning And the Word was made flesh. And what was the first thing that Herod tried to do to that Word? Kill it. Herod tried to kill, and he did, kill every baby under two years of age in the land. Trying to get to that one baby, that Word that was made flesh. If he can't abort the fetus, he'll try to kill the baby. And if he can't kill the baby, he'll go after the child because he knows what the Word can produce. If you can't abort the baby, kill the child. His work is to stop the seed, to stop the effects of the seed. I've been reading the 119th Psalm quite a bit lately and just going back over and thinking about it and meditating and it is a unique psalm the 119th psalm you need to turn over to it it's the longest one chapter in the bible 170 something verses and it is a unique psalm because it is arranged around one single theme and that is the word of god the word of god it's unique in that Each section begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's called an acrostic. And it was written perhaps so that it would be easy to memorize and at least easier to hold on to the truths. And the psalmist did the most that he could do to reveal the Word of God. And he sees that Word of God not like a lot of us see it as a as just a, a manual of do's and do nots. He didn't see it as just some harsh 
law that said thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. He didn't see it as some kind of hard thing, but he saw it as a source of joy and rejoicing. The Word of God is the foundation upon which the poet builds his thoughts. And he draws it not, he draws from it not because of a demand that the law makes upon him, but because of the desire that that law draws out of him. It is a law that is transfigured by love, and it is a law whose enforcement is made easy by enjoyment. And God is mentioned in every verse. It's the only chapter in the Bible where every verse in that psalm or in that chapter mentions God. And then God's Word is mentioned. He mentions it in eight different contexts. He talks about it as a law or the Torah, instruction. He talks about it uh, in the word in the Hebrew is edoth, which means testimonies. The word pikwad, uh, which means precepts. The word chak, which means statutes. And there are other words that mean, one means commandment, one means decisions or appointments, judgments. One of the words that he used to describe the Word of God is a promise, that the Word of God is an assurance. And as he begins to reveal to us that Word of God in 170, what, 74 verses, something like that, he shows to us what the Word of God produces in a person's life and the results that you can expect from that Word of God being in your life. And if you begin in Psalms 119 and verse 1 and you read through the entirety, you're going to discover there what happens to the person who makes the Word of God the center post of their life. He said, first of all, they're blessed. Amen. They're happy. Everybody say happy. Happy. They're happy. They are to be envied. Not only in the way that they live, but in their walk and in their will. Not only are they a happy people, but they are a holy people. They are a people of unique duty and desire and decision. And they are an humble people because they know that nothing of this would be possible without the Word of God. And then he begins to describe and unveil what all the Word of God does. And I don't have time to go down verse by verse, but I want to just go through real quickly the things that I wrote down when I read through it today again. It says, first of all, that the Word of God cleanses us. Everybody say cleanses us. Not only does it cleanse us, it purifies, but it helps control our lives. Remember what I told you about a stronghold. A stronghold is anything, any area of your life that you've lost control over. Well, the Word of God helps you gain control over that. The Word of God helps correct you. When you're off base, it helps steer you back to the right. It helps us so we won't be ashamed or embarrassed. And on later, he talks about being ashamed or embarrassed because of our failures. The Word of God 
helps me so that I don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed because of my failures. The Word of God helps me when I'm discouraged. The Word of God helps establish my life. It helps put me on solid ground. It helps give me some kind of of, of sense of security so that I don't feel like I'm a wave tossed to and fro, that my life has meaning and purpose, that the Word of God does that for my life. The Word of God comforts me when I am afflicted or when I am in trouble. It causes me to hope. The Word of God causes me to hope when I am assaulted by the things of life and when I'm hurt and disappointed when I go to the word of God it causes me to have hope it causes me to see that there is a better day yet coming it causes me to understand everybody say understand he said it gives understanding now understanding is different than knowledge I know a lot of smart dumb people Their head is full of knowledge, but they're as dumb as a brick. They don't know how to apply what they know to life. That's what understanding is. It's not just enough that you know the rules. It's to know how those rules need to be applied and how they affect your life. And the Word gives me understanding. It helps me put in shoe leather the knowledge that He gives me on how to live a better life. So not only does that Word give me understanding, but it helps me, He said, to know right. Now, I'm not real smart, but I have figured this out. That if I keep focusing on what is right... I'm probably going to avoid what is wrong. Is that real smart or not? If I focus on what is right. You know what's wrong with a lot of people? All they ever focus on is what is wrong in their life. That's why I don't like some help program because they keep a person focused on who they were and what they did and where they were and never shows them what they can become and where God wants to take them. What you're going to hear from this pulpit and what you're going to hear from people that preach and teach and minister in this church is that there is a way out and you don't have to be what you were. You're not going to be called by that name. God is going to give you a new name. Amen. So it gives me knowledge of what is right. It gives life. It helps come. It, 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 well, let me rephrase. Our help comes from the Word of God. Our help comes from... It keeps us from perishing. The Word of God does. That's what the 119th Psalm... It keeps me from perishing. It makes me wiser than mine enemies. Hey, folks, listen to me. I'm not real smart. But if, if this book can make me smarter than my enemy, you'd think I might ought to load up on some of it. Read it. It's in the 119th Psalm. He said, the word, your word, makes me smarter than my enemy. That's why the devil hates the word. That's why he works so hard to keep it out of your heart. That's why he tries to get you to go to sleep. That's why he tries to get you to, 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 to figure up your bills. That's why he tries to get you to fiddle with the kids. Yeah. 
Because he knows what the word produces. He knows that that word, when it gets down in a person's heart, it's going to give them a knowledge over him he has no defense of. It's going to make you smarter than him. Not only that, but it's going to keep you from embarrassing yourself. Woo! Some of us need to pick up on that just for that one point alone. It will keep me from embarrassing myself. It gives me hope. It's a hiding place. It's a shield. The Bible, the Word of God, He said, upholds me. There are times in my life when the Word of God is like arms that just reach underneath me and they lift me up. Everything in life is pulling me down, but the Word of God lifts me up. The Word of God not only does that, but it gives me light. He said, it is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. That means I can see the road ahead of me and I can also see the next step that I need to take so I take the right step. That's the Word of God. That's why the devil hates it. That's why he comes immediately. That's why he comes as soon as the Word comes. That's why he is so quick with his distractions, so quick with his annoyances, so quick with his diversions because he knows if that word ever gets in your heart, you'll never believe another lie that he tells you. You'll never fall sucker to another one of his tricks or schemes. You'll be smarter than he is. You'll be able to tame that tongue that's been untamable. You'll be able to tame that passion that's been untamable. That habit, that desire that is always at the source and root of your failure. He knows that if that word gets in you and it finds a lodging place, that it's going to give you a tool, a weapon to rise above him and crush him and walk. Put your head, your, your, your heel on his head and put him where he belongs. Amen. The word of God. Keeps iniquity from having dominion over me. That's what 119 said. It quickens me. It delivers me. It gives great peace. You ought to read the Word of God for nothing else than just the peace that it brings. And it also helps you so that nothing shall by any means offend you. Oh, that's a revelation. You know what? I'll go preach this at the Baptist church. That's all right. The Word of God reveals to me that His hand will help me. If I want anybody's hand on my life, I want God's hand on my life. No wonder the devil fights this Word. No wonder he takes steps at the beginning. When you first make that decision, you know what? I'm going to do better. He comes. When you first take that step to turn, He comes. When you first make that decision, He comes. He fights because He knows what will happen if the Word finds a resting place. He hates, you listen to me, the devil hates our salvation opportunity. 
He is doomed for eternity. He's already had his chance, and he blew it. And the Bible said he is reserved in chains for eternity. Hell was created for him and his followers. Not for you and I, but for the devil and his angels. He has no hope of salvation. He has no hope of redemption. And so he hates anybody or any person that has a hope for redemption. And that's why he fights the word. Because he knows that word is your salvation. He knows that word is my way out. He knows that word is my way over. He knows that word is my bridge to better time. He knows that word is my strength and my help. And what holds me up with nothing else. He knows that. And so he fights that. Because he can't stand the fact that I might not have to go to hell. As a matter of fact, I don't have to go to hell. If I go to hell, I'll go there as an intruder. And he hates that. He hates that word because when that word is preached and you reach out and take hold of it, Brother George, he knows that word will pull you out of whatever you might be going through. He knows that however bad the economy gets, if that word gets in your heart, it's going to put faith there, a confidence. I once was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous nor forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He knows that. And so he's going to do everything he can to keep me from getting that word because faith is going to come up out of that word. Confidence is going to come up. I'm better than this. God made me for better than this. God created me for higher things. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a pervert. I'm not a coarse person. God made me something better than that. And the Word of God is what produces that. That's why he hates it. Because that's my salvation opportunity. And he has no opportunity like that. And so he fights the Word. He comes immediately. Tell me I'm not telling you the truth. He comes immediately. That Word comes. The hardest time to get your focus is when the preacher begins. If he ever visits your life, he may never visit you at any other time. He may never bother you at any other moment in your life until you start to visit the Word of God. And as soon as you start visiting the Word of God, he's going to show up. He may never come and bother you in a worship service until the Word of God is opened. He'll let you sing all the songs they can put on those walls. He'll even let you talk in tongues until your tongue falls out. He'll let you speak with a tongue of men and of angels just as long as you don't listen to what the Word says. Oh yeah. He'll let you give until you don't have another penny in your pocket to give and won't bother you in the least. But as soon as you start pouring yourself in, you start going into that word. You start saying, God, there's something in there for me. There's something in this book that can help straighten my life. There's something in here that can give me direction. There's something in here that can give me hope. There's something in here that can give me a mind, a peace, and, and happiness. There's something in here that can bring joy to my life. He's going to come. 
He's going to come. He's going to come. He's going to come. He may leave a pulpit alone as long as they teach fables and they only entertain and everybody enjoys their Starbuck. But let the word begin to be preached. Let the word begin to be uttered. And the devil cometh. And the devil cometh. The devil fears the power of the word of God more than he fears anything else in your life. More than he fears you calling yourself a Christian. More than he fears you calling yourself a spirit-filled Christian. More than he fears you saying, I am a child of God. He fears the person who allows the Word of God to come in and said, yes, Lord, somewhere in that Word, there's an answer for my problem. There's a solution to my problem. There's a way out of my dilemma. There's a way over this. There's a way out of my misery. He fears that. He fears the beginning of that Word in my life. And so He will do anything He can to stop that Word. From finding its place. Why does the devil come? I'll tell you why he comes. Because he knows what all of us better know. And that is how important this word is to our life. This word is more important than any other word. Take the philosophers and all the counselors of the world and pile them up as high as you can pile them. They can be higher than the Himalaya mountains. But when it's all said and done, this is the only thing that's going to stand forever. This word. Amen. Amen. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word, my word shall abide Folks, if that word is in you, what does that mean about you? Do you understand why the devil comes now? Do you understand why it's so hard sometimes to get your focus? Do you understand why it's so easy some nights just to come in and just kind of slouch around and just kind of casually come? You know why? Because he knows if he can keep you distracted long enough, you'll miss the most important thing. And he's done his work. Amen. The word of God. When we respond to the word of God, things happen in our lives for the good. Amen. Let's stand together.